Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Oh, welcome in here. Um, today's Wednesday, right? Yes, last I I'm gonna, checked. I'm not going to keep the day straight this week. <laughs> having, having the Monday off always hurts. Um, so, uh, welcome in here. The Independence Avenue Bridge wins again. Got another one. Yes. Um, it was shortly, I don't know when exactly this happened, but it was shortly after we got off the air yesterday that I actually saw it on KMBZ's Facebook page. And, boy, sometimes they just get kind of stuck and like wedged Oof. at an angle not this time no 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 this one went all the way over on its side and i have it on good authority from some good friends of ours who are in the biz uh you know who are, are in the trucking business that he had to be hauling butt when he hit the bridge in order for that truck to go over on its side like that and it's hard to tell from the picture but it looks like he might have taken a decent sized chunk out of the uh out of the lower portion of the bridge surface so yeah, you can see these pi- these pictures up on um, it's on our page, and I now am a member of the Independence Avenue Truck Eating Bridge KCMO <laughs> group. Um, I don't know how long that existed, but now I'm in it. Uh-huh. Um, and so, if you miss this again, Independence Avenue Bridge, twelve feet tall, clearly marked right there, clear as day, and it's a very long, bright orange truck that flipped literally over on its side. I mean, flipped absolutely, is that 45 degrees? Absolutely yes. over on its side. And it flipped, um, I would love to know how tall this this truck is because I assume the pictures that I have are, yeah, I think they are, are it going under or aiming to go under the bridge? And it does, like, it flips before it gets there. It almost seems like that, but, yeah, it, it, it's hard to tell. Yeah, that'd be 90 degrees, yeah, over on the side. But uh, it, Math it's, is not mine. Yeah, yeah just, you're right. Just, just flat. Um, <laughs> and, and, yeah, it's, uh, it, it is a little difficult to understand how it was knocked down sideways like that, yeah. um, especially where that chunk is gone from the bridge. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know the physics of that. But whether it went over uh, before it hit, you know, whether whether he learned, okay, I'm not going to make this and tried to ditch <laughs> or what it was that happened. Uh, either way, it had to take, I, I don't know how long to be able to haul that thing out of there. Because most of the time, as you pointed out, they're either a little bit sideways or they're just jammed straight under the bridge. And if you lower the, you know, if you let all the air out of the tires and things like that, you can generally pull them back out. Not if it's over on its side. It's it's none of the tires are touching the surface at that point. Yeah, it didn't break open. We don't know what was in it. <laughs> Despite it being a long truck like that, maybe I don't know what thing. it was carrying. Yeah. Maybe if it was able to if it was going pretty fast, maybe it didn't have anything in it. Yeah, I'm just confused about how this happened. Um and if you saw it, give us a call. 913-586-7798. It does make you think he saw it and said, "Uh-oh, hit the brakes and managed to not go under it." Yeah. 
but lost control a little bit before he got there. I'm hoping he wasn't trying some kind of stunt driving. It's like, I know, I can get under here sideways, and then I'll just pull it back up on the other side. But, yeah, not a good idea either way. And just, I, I don't know why or what else needs to be done. We've talked about it so often. And the last one, I think, was, what, two weeks ago? Not even. It was the 21st of August was the last time a truck hit the bridge. Oh, good so, memory. yeah, uh, it's uh, if it's happening with that regularity, with people who are presumably at least some of them live around here and ought to know better, it's just not it, – it's unfathomable about what, what steps can be taken next to stop this from happening because sooner or later serious damage is going to be done to that bridge. Yeah, can we talk about the damage to the bridge here for a second? Yeah. So is that on – I should probably learn bridge – semantics but i i don't so the chunk that we think is out is on that column that just, it hit just above it yes yeah just above the column on one of the uh boy i, I don't know the terminology any better than you do mm-hmm. but but one of the 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 sort of um it's it's the surface it's it's underneath the surface of the bridge it's what holds it up on a cross member i guess that would be mm-hmm. so uh yeah and it looks like it's just above there it's hard to tell, though, as I said, whether that chunk is gone or whether it's just the angle that the uh, the picture was taken from. But either way, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that we've seen bits and pieces of the bridge that have come down and come off. If it is that, as long as there's no structural damage, because it looks like there's a piece of rebar exposed. As yeah. long as there's no structural damage underneath it, they should be able to just patch that and put new concrete on the outside of it. It's rare that we get this close of an image of the very back of the truck that hits it. And I'm, I'm turning my head sideways to try to figure out if it's written on the back of the truck, how tall the truck is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, boy, that's to a see good, how much it would have missed it by. That's a good point. Yeah. Whether it was uh, whether it should have known better just based on what was written on the truck. Normally they would. Yeah, I believe they would have that on the trailer. Yeah, I can't tell because there are many pictures of all, they're like pictures through the window of the people behind it. Yeah. That saw it. And so I'm trying to look and look through that way, too. So, again, if you if you have thoughts here on what to do about it, you always do. Uh, 913-586-7798. Because it does seem like it's happening a little more often now. Yeah, I mean, we've had a bunch of them. And and that may be a function of the season as well. It seems to me last summer was particularly bad as as well. So if it is, I mean, if more trucks end up going through there in the summertime, uh, it would make sense, a little bit more traffic. But I mean, if you just sort of mentally twist that truck back upright and look at it, it looks like it wasn't close. It looks like it had to be a foot taller than the bridge, which how do you not know that? I yeah. mean, it, even on its side, it looks like it's only a couple of feet below hitting that cross member. Alex may have some ideas for us. He's calling in from KCK and wants to do a little talking about this. Other phone lines are ringing, too. If you want to get in, <laughs> 586-7798. Hey, Alex. Hey, guys. Another great story and, of course, the, the, the bridge. And I've been thinking for a while now, you know, if we can have a sensor put up maybe 100 yards from the bridge itself, and your truck drives underneath the sensor, you're fine. Truck trips the sensor, your truck shuts off. <laughs> or something like that. Boy, that'd be fun. <laughs> just send them through their dead. Uh, yeah, yeah, just shut them know, down, absolutely. I mean, we've got motion detectors that will turn on lights in our front yards. <laughs> yeah. Why yeah. not make them sense to me? Well, why not have one that can shut down the truck? Hey, look, I'm up for any idea. Alex, yep. if they can figure out how to do it. Something's got to yeah. give here, and it's not going to be the bridge. Thank you very much for the call. 
Um, a couple of you are texting in details about this. I would just ask, where are you getting your information about him? Okay, Northeast News Facebook page. Okay, I'll take a look at that. Somebody just said the trailer was 13.6, 13 feet, 6 inches. Foot and a half taller. That that would not yep. surprise me if it was a foot and a half taller than the bottom of that bridge surface. And again, if you're driving that truck, how do you not know? I mean, there, there have been times where in a big like pickup truck, I'll just kind of duck my head down a little bit because you can mm-hmm. kind of feel it. It's like, wow, that's really low, and, you know, going under trees or whatever. But how are you driving something that giant and you're up that high? Because it's not like the cabs are down near the road surface. You're still right. way up high. How do you not see that coming? Boy, John, take a look at the Northeast. It's Kansas City's Northeast News Facebook page. Yeah, I was looking at their, already. at their Twitter feed earlier and I didn't see anything. Because they've got a ton of pictures that I hadn't seen in other places. But to the texture, you're right. This is what they said. Um, When asked, the driver indicated he had seen other trucks go this way. So he followed what his GPS said. No, he hasn't. He hasn't seen other trucks go that way unless they (laughs) smack themselves under the bridge, too. And wow, this has really got some images from the other direction from underneath the bridge. Uh Uh-huh. To show you the front. Oh, wow. Of this truck. Okay, that, that actually helps a lot because, yeah, because the cab of the truck is still upright. It's yep. it's bent down a lot, but it's still upright. So, yeah, he uh, whatever he did when he hit the bridge, it knocked the trailer over, but he was already well enough underneath there. Uh, and it looks like it's, it, boy, the, the back of it's kind of jacked up. <laughs> the, I'm glad that wasn't my job to try to figure out how to get that thing out of there. To the person that just said, how do we not have a camera on that bridge? No I get you. Yeah. I'm totally with you. We want the video when this happens. Just to see the series of events. Did they break? How soon did they break? What happened there? Oh, so Unbelievable. Let's uh, go to Paul and Olathe to continue on. Hey, Paul. Hi, guys. You know, Olathe had that same problem with a bridge in Olathe, and they fixed it permanently about 10 years ago. What did they do? They put in infrared detectors that sent a light across the road and if the light beam was broken it turned on horns and flashing lights in front of the driver to get them to stop yeah yeah we've and now, we've talked a, about that another tunnel like that out in Colorado on I70 west mm-hmm. of Denver same thing they had it 20 years ago uh, yeah, I, I don't know why. I mean, with all the technology that's out there and available, something like that isn't done. Paul, thanks. I, I mean, we keep talking about the fact that nothing can be done with a bridge. You can't really right. raise the bridge surface. You can't really dig underneath it because you're talking about a flood hazard at that point. So the only thing that you can do is try to keep big trucks off that road. And why is there nothing? I mean, there, there are signs, clearly. You know, there are signs that tell you don't come through here if you're bigger than 12 feet tall. But they're not working. Why has nobody bothered to put in a system like he's talking about that will at least warn you you're going to collide with this bridge if you keep going? Yeah, we've talked a lot about putting some kind of curtain or or something where, again, I I laugh. The analogy I have is what you do in your garage so that you know where to put your car, the tennis (laughs) ball. We need the equivalent of the tennis ball on the Independence Avenue bridge. Even if all you're doing is hanging chains or something like that that will hit the truck and, and let you hear before you go underneath there that yes you're about to hit something but using technology like he's talking about horns and flashing lights and sirens and turn back you know uh, abandon hope all ye who enter here whatever it is you have to do and nobody seems to be doing anything maybe it's because they know the bridge is going to take it we'll go to hallie and lawrence next hi hallie hey um yeah that was exactly what i was going to say so we've driven a lot of miles 
We actually drive um, animals. I'm the one that brought the kangaroo in to see Dana and Parks a few months ago. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, like, we have traveled with giraffes where you have to know your bridge height. All yeah. <laughs> right. So it, it isn't. I don't understand why they don't have the drop bar, like you guys are saying, the drop chains or the bar at the at the you know two three inches lower than what the bridge height is. It, it's such a simple, non-technology, probably the lowest cost that they're going to get. Why can they not? Why can they not fix? Like I don't understand why that system at least is not in place. Yeah, it's it's baffling. Um, and you're right. I mean, in terms of cost, something like that might run you a couple thousand dollars out of a city's budget. The size of, I mean, it, yeah. There's no reason not to do it, and it just seems like nobody has any interest. Yep, agree. Hallie, thanks, thanks a lot. And, you know, thanks, bring, bring us a kangaroo anytime you want. Really, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're down. Thank you, yeah. Hallie. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we need to get to a break here. Phone lines are ringing. Ashley, everybody else, hang on the line with us here. Get to more of your calls on this one next here on KMBZ. Phone number here, 913-586-7798. You can see the pictures in multiple places online of the big orange truck. That got eaten by the Independence Avenue Bridge yesterday. Yeah, yet another one. And you want to hear something really frustrating. This is also out of the Kansas City Northeast News. And this is from an article that was published back in July. And they said that, because a couple of you pointed out, wait a minute, weren't they already supposed to be doing something about this? The answer is yes. And you'll love to know that apparently the project is stuck somewhere between the design and bid phase. And nobody's doing anything. They're arguing over who's going to pay. Uh, City Press Secretary, Kansas City Press Secretary Sheree Honeycutt told the Northeast News that it's the railroad's responsibility. But we'll go ahead and go halves on them. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Uh, but get this. What they're talking about was just what we were just talking about. A couple of poles, a crossbar, and some chains hanging down. You know what they're talking about the estimate for that being? $150,000. Are we buying them from <laughs> the highest possible? Apparently, they're made of platinum. Because right. 150 grand. They, see, yeah. this is why people hate government. <laughs> this is, how do you make four poles or three poles and, and some chains cost 150 grand? Have the government bid it out. That's how. Ugh, maddening. Off to uh, Ashley we go in Kansas City. Hi, Ashley. Hey, uh, yeah, it's a railroad bridge, but the railroad doesn't care because that bridge is still holding strong. Yep. And they're going to say it's the city's problem. If they want it fixed, pay for it. Can't say as I blame them, honestly. But, um, you know, we could, uh, we've talked about for years putting down like a, a railroad arm type of thing. This guy, when he hit that bridge or she hit that bridge, they were cooking. Yeah. They were moving fast. So even if we do that, you're still got to stop 80,000 pounds before it hit that. Uh, I'll give credit where credit's due about the best idea that I can think of. I've heard it from other people, but I've also heard it from my buddy Mike in Topeka to put up a steel beam if you're headed eastbound at that last stoplight right before and let them hit that beam. And then they don't hit the bridge, but they're still going to shut down Independence Avenue. Until people stop just being steering wheel holders and actually pay attention to where they're going and not just, oh, this is what my GPS says, this isn't going to be fixed. There's just no... And, you know, a lot of these people wear uh, headphones, even though you're not supposed to, while yeah. they're driving, so they wouldn't even hear the horns, the flashing lights. We've already got flashing lights. Yeah. It, there is, until people start figuring it out, 
there's nothing that we can do. Personally, I think it's kind of like Darwinism for truck drivers. <laughs> it shows you you need to get into another line of work, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. and paying attention. I mean, Ashley, you're just asking way too much out of people, I think. <laughs> I, I know, I know. My faith in humanity is just way too strong. Thanks. Maybe someday, though. Thanks very much for the call. Yeah, so you keep keep dreaming. The, the world needs more dreamers. Off to Ed in Kansas City next. Hi, Ed. Hi, guys. You, you, you guys uh, can really get people going. This this is uh, probably the 20th time you've been on since Christmas about this bridge. Yeah. I, I think the uh, only thing they can do is go either all, all uh, Las Vegas, Tokyo, or Shanghai and put in billboards and bright lights and neons and, you know, just a to let somebody know you cannot go through here with your truck. Yeah. I they, love it. They are, they they have they have figured nothing out. It's it's so embarrassing and look at all the time they they have just just say in the last year how many times somebody's hit that damn bridge and first responders got to go out there to and- same old crap. They they are uh they're not. They're not taking any action. So shame on them. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe we just have those things they have at the airport when you drive the wrong way back into the, you know, back into the garage. If you're over mm-hmm. a certain height, spikes come up and pop all your tires. Then we'll see. Then that'll be your problem, not ours. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. People are texting about the signs that are coming in. Um. Yeah, uh, there was an update on Kansas City's um, Northeast News about the fourth or fifth hit since the July update. Somebody asked if there was a running tally somewhere, like on the bridge, (laughs) of how many it had hit. I don't think there is. Somebody should do that, some kind of electronic board, um, to keep a running tally of what had happened. So... But we still don't have that. Yeah, or just one that says, we've gone this many days without the bridge being hit. Yeah. We'll go to Steve and KCMO next. Hi, Steve. Hey. Yeah, hey, that's a 40-foot container off the railroad. That's uh, probably a local driver. He knew that bridge was there, I'm guessing. Then why did he do it? I mean, is he just looking for fame? I don't know. (laughs) Your guess is good as mine. You can't blame the bridge. It's driver's fault. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, all the bridge did was sit there. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, no, okay. Hey, thank you. Yep. Take care. 913-586-7798. I don't know. Um, so a couple of you were asking, why don't they put it on GPS? Why isn't GPS updated to show that that, that bridge height? As a hazard, we've asked, yeah. Yeah. We've asked this question before. I don't know what it takes to, I don't know who you have to contact. Um, and it might depend on what service you're using. Google Maps or Apple, whatever it is. Um, to make sure it shows that. Yeah, and I think we've been told in the past that, that the GPS system that the truckers use is different from ours, and it does show those kinds of hazards. Why they don't show it, I mean, it, it, it may be that not everybody that's behind the wheel of a truck has that, but they really ought to. Eric in Topeka is up next with us. Hi, Eric. Hey, um, I'm going to chime in. I'm not trying to sound arrogant. Like, there's a thing called a trucker's atlas. It's not GPS. I started out in 2001. Mm-hmm. And that bridge is marked in that atlas. I used to live in Kansas City, and I would see people top that thing all the time. And the first time I delivered locally out there, I had to do a U-turn on that road, but I wasn't about to risk my career to smash the damn bridge. It says 12 foot on it. Yeah. 
Right. Well, and mm-hmm. thank you, Eric. That's a great point to put on it. Uh, you know, a great kind of final point to put on it is yeah. that that's really what you're doing is you're giving up your job for, you know, trying to get through a shortcut that you know you can't get through. Yeah, we um, we might come back to this. Some of you are asking questions and giving us uh, more information about Google Maps, and that's certainly something that we can research and get more into um, a little bit later. We're going to switch gears, though, here coming up. We were talking yesterday about the problems with Burning Man, how they got all the rain, getting out of there was hard, getting back in was difficult. We'll go further into that with a special guest coming up next year in KMBZ. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It has been quite the sight as Burning Man uh, encountered some pretty heavy rain trouble with people that were trying to get in and trying to get out. Unique perspective to get to here. Yes, indeed. We have a guest on the line with us who is uh, everything creative and talented. Maria Chena is an actress, a producer, an artist, and a frequent attendee of Burning Man. And my source for information about a lot of what goes on out there. Maria, welcome back to the program. Hi, guys. Good morning. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Absolutely. So great to hear your voice. And and you had quite the adventure this year. You were in a sort of a unique position. And I'm going to have you tell the story about how you got out before a lot of the craziness happened, but you had to go back to retrieve your son. Tell us about your experience at Burning Man this year. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I really didn't want the headline to read, you know, mom leaves teen son at Burning Man to perish. (laughs) So, um... It wasn't such a good idea, but yeah, that's what happened. I um, This is my uh, ninth burn, so I'm a veteran burner, um, and it was my son who's 15, his second burn, and my son's a DJ, his, uh, his name is Nam, and he was invited to, to DJ at the burn, and so I, although I wasn't planning to go this year, when your kid gets invited to DJ, you're kind of compelled sure. to get into the dust again, so I drove him out there, as mom Ubers do set him up in camp um, and and burned for, for a couple of hours, for 72 hours, and saw friends and saw art and had a fabulous time, uh, you know, put up a memorial for uh, a departed friend, a beloved friend of ours who passed this year at the temple, and went out loud and look, looked at the artwork, had some great dances, heard fabulous DJs, heard my son DJ, and then hit the road just as it was starting to sprinkle so I could make it to a meeting in Las Vegas. And um, I got out, and it was fab. And as I got out and it started to sprinkle, I thought to myself, okay, now your kid's really going to learn how to burn. Because part of the, part of the, the glory of Burning Man is, is dealing with the elements. <laughs> and unless you've actually experienced it as an outsider, it looks like chaos. But if you're in it, the sandstorm is magical, um, even though it's 
you know, difficult to get swathed in this huge cloud of white dust and you can't see anything. Going in, it is quite magical. The sun is magical. The heat is magical. The cold nights are fantastic. And guess what, guys? Even the rain is kind of fantastic. <laughs> so as nice. I was leaving, I thought to myself, wow, your kid's really going to, you know, Nam is really going to love this now because everything kind of shuts down for a minute. Everything gets quiet. You know, the, the earth turns into a, a big, um, gosh, like cake batter. It turns into cake batter. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's just thick and gooey like brownie mix. It's just thick and gooey and sticks to you. Um, and then the sun comes out and dries it up. And once again, everything is, you know, renewed. But this year it wasn't like that, was it? No, yeah, it's a little bit different. It wasn't like that. So as I'm, you know, setting up for my event in Las Vegas, um, I'm hearing that it's, you know, in lockdown and everyone can't leave their, their camps and and all of the above. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, now my kid's really stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and as it was, he was. He was in his uh, – we were, for the first time ever, not in an RV this year. We were in something that's called, um, it's like a pod, it's called a shift pod. It's like a sort of a mylar orb tent kind of thing where you, you could stand up and they're quite comfortable. But um, he was in that. And in typical teenage style, he's like, Mom, I don't need the bed. Take the mare mattress. I don't want to carry it out of here. Mom, take the cooler. I don't want the cooler. I just want water. And one bag of snacks, and I'll be fine. <laughs> wow. Okay. So I really left him with bare minimum, but I didn't leave him alone. He was with friends, and down the road, within walking distance, were you know were his aunt and uncle and cousin who was turning eighteen, and so I knew you know, if God forbid something did come, push come to shove, he had people around him. So I didn't abandon him to the you know to the wolves. Um. But he couldn't get out, and he was in that shift pod for uh, 24 hours because everyone was in lockdown, and his shift pod began to uh, swell with water, and all his stuff got wet, and all his food got wet. Oh, no. So now he doesn't have any snacks left, and he couldn't ride his bike, um, so he actually carried his bike um, when, like, in the rain, um, in the swamp, he carried it to his aunt and uncle's camp, which was nearby, and parked it there, and then had to walk back again with bags on his feet to get his suitcase, which he then carried back again to his aunt and uncle's, and um, ended up being very comfortable in an RV and then got a very nice ride home. That took him 24 hours to get from the Burning Man site to Las Vegas, Nevada last night. And so I was there to catch him. Um, The the ride was the longest. It's usually like about nine hours to get from Burning Man to Las Vegas. It was 24. Um, So he got a real dose. And then I scooped him up and (laughs) just drove him directly back to Las, to Los Angeles last night. Nice. Cause he's got school today and he just got dropped off at school and we made great time coming home to Los Angeles. Um, it was four hours and nine minutes before we get to our door 
traffic came to a complete standstill and evidently a poor soul or a crazy soul or an unfortunate soul um, dressed in black decided to walk across the 134 freeway and was hit by a car. And so we were at a complete standstill for almost two hours on the 134 and nine minutes from our exit. So even the ride home was uh, a very big lesson in you just got to roll with it, baby, because you can't fight the elements. Maria, speaking of the elements, for those that weren't following exactly what was happening at Burning Man, can you talk more about the rain, about the reason why your son was stuck there and why, I mean, they closed roads for a while. They weren't letting vehicles out. What was the rain like? So when the rain hits the playa, um, the earth, first of all, I call it, it's called playa because it's a giant lake bed. It's a dry lake bed. Mm-hmm. So it's not regular earth. It's this incredibly fine dust that's like a silica, almost like a gypsum. It's super, super, super fine. And so when water hits it, it expands and becomes this like, really the best best description I could use would be brownie batter, this very thick brownie batter. And it came down in a deluge. I mean, it poured and poured and poured. So everything flooded. There was, you know, the lake bed returned to that of a lake. Now, it wasn't a very deep lake, but still water was sitting on top of this, of this earth and everything was flooded. So people who were in tents were now floating in it. RVs and, and cars were now sinking in it. So if you try to move, it becomes really thick, almost like a, not a quicksand because you're not going to sink into it, but it grabs you. So the mandate was everybody stay in place, stay in your camp, stay safe, no driving your bicycle, no driving your vehicles, and just stay inside because even your feet get stuck in it. Yeah. But but what everyone who isn't a burner doesn't understand is that we're prepared for that. <laughs> right. Well, and, and I'm curious about that. I mean, were you in contact with Nam the entire time? Um, in and out. You know, in, in, in bygone years, there was absolutely zero cell service. Nothing. I mean, you know, we would, we would you know, say goodbye to our family at the gate, basically, and say, well, see you in, see, see in seven days because there was nothing. Or you'd have to yeah. go almost to a border just to get cell service. Now there's pretty much cell service everywhere. And a lot of the uh, more affluent burners, they even have, you know, uh, personal cell, uh, you know, Skylink kind of stuff. So, uh, yes, I did, was able to speak with my son Good. fairly regularly. And I you know, spoke to him from the shift pod and I was giving him direction as to what to do. And I spoke to other people in the camp we, that we were in, which was called Naked Tongues, which was filled with wonderful people who were looking after him in my absence. And our other friends were there as well. So he wasn't alone there. Um, and then the frog camp was where his aunt and uncle were, which is where he sent him to go to for safety. Um, but really what happens is because... Because we're, radical self-reliance is the very first tenant of Burning Man. So you have to have your own water. You have to have your own food. You have to be prepared with you know, a headlamp, a scarf for the elements. You have to be prepared for everything. And so he had, you know, most, people, most, tenants, most people are prepared for this kind of thing because they're feeding themselves anyway. 
Can you talk about how I think a lot of us here like self-reliance and for most of us, the only analogy we have for that is like camping or hiking, which which is not what you're talking about. When you talk about that self-reliance and enjoying that part of it, what does that involve? Well, it is very much like camping because there is nothing to purchase at Burning Man. It's not like you can go and buy breakfast. So you are camping. You haul everything in and you haul everything out. Now, whether you're camping in a shift pod or a tent or your car or an RV or a, you know, a giant uh, tour bus, okay, is dependent upon how you, how, how you burn. And there's everything. There are people who come in sort of um, like prefabbed container houses, you know what I mean, that are all self-reliant on solar. Um, and, and all these things come in on flatbeds. There are people who, who sleep in their car. Um, so yes, it is very much like camping. Very good. Well, and I, we've got just a minute. I, I'm, I know you'll be back. I'm curious after Nam's experience this year, whether he's really eager to go back next time. Oh my God. He just, he's, his hair is on fire. He was so lit up with his experience. Are you kidding? I mean, he saw Carl Cox spin, the famous DJ. Uh, he got to DJ himself in front of, I think it was like 300 people. We were dancing to my 15-year-old's music, um, which, you know, he's a super talented musician. Um, so that's exciting for him. So it, for, for him, he, he just loves it. I love it, too. I just couldn't go this year yeah. because I had a commitment. Um, but there's nothing like it. There's just nothing like experiencing the artwork and the light that hits that, that, hits that dry lake bed and the full moon coming up over it and the sunrise, watching the sunrise and watching the sun disappear. And it's just the most magical, wonderful, wacky, experiential vacation you'll ever have. As, as my husband likes to say, it's a really useful vacation yeah. because you do get exactly what you give back. Well, I, uh, yeah, uh, and it sounds like you, you definitely got that experience this year. I know you've been on me for several years to get out there. One day that'll happen. But Dude, for, you have to but, do it. I'm telling you, it'll change your life. <laughs> for the time being, though, we, we you love have to the, trust the dust, as they say. Trust the dust, and you'll get exactly what you deserve. No doubt. Well, we're, we're going to look forward to hearing from you, I, I'm sure, again next year about Burning Man. And thank you so much for giving us the tour around it in the descriptions about what happened this year. We really appreciate it. I want to say one last thing. Please. The news grossly, grossly spun the story. It wasn't nearly as detrimental and terrifying as they put out. Oh, they love to make it a disaster, yeah. They made it a huge disaster, and that, I think, was probably one of the biggest lessons my kid learned this year, was that how quickly a story can spin out of control um, and as, as opposed to what really happened. So um, I just recommend everybody try it. you got to try it once. Hit, mm-hmm. the, hit, hit the playa and get to Burning Man. You got it. Maria Chita, thank you so much for being with us. Many blessings, everybody. Have a great day. We'll talk Thanks, to you again you soon. All right. Um, coming up to wrap the hour here, uh, we have a story out of France about what they're doing, what they are offering beachgoers who feel like they're getting a little too much unwanted attention. We'll get to that coming up to uh, wrap the hour next on KMBZ. Phone number here, 913-586-7798. This is a conversation I could see potentially going past 11 o'clock once you dig a little bit further into this. So there is a new app that has been launched in, is, is it Marseille? Is that how we Marseille. pronounce it? Marseille. This yep. is what I mean. I don't, I should never just, I should, <laughs> I should just stop, insert silence. You fill in the word and then we keep going. There we go. Um, big beach area of France, really, really popular beach destination in France. And one in three young women there say they have felt harassed on that beach. 
And that plays out. I mean, that's not just that beach. I can say as a woman that travels solo a lot, it's really common. And we've, we've had bigger conversations about this before. So I think it's interesting, the app that they have launched in that city for women who are uncomfortable feeling like they are getting unwanted attention to have someone and come in and intervene. Yeah, you know, it, it, it reminds me of the conversation we were having yesterday about what to do about, you know, violent areas of town and things like that. And, and we said, how great would it be just to have that lifeline to be able to reach out to? And that's exactly what this app is designed to do. You effectively drop a pin where you are and they have people who are there, uh, these uh, 16 mediators, they call them, that are going to be working on the beaches. They've been trained to deal with situations ranging from what they call excessive flirtation to domestic violence. So they've got training in everything. And if you start to feel like you're in danger, you send out a message on via this app. It alerts one of those mediators and they head right to where you are. I would love to know um, the stories of how this has played out so far, because... There was a figure in this 1300 times it's been downloaded doesn't mean it's been used yeah 1300 times but it's been downloaded that many times since it was launched in a handful of spots across the city and i would love to know the instances that prompted these women to call in for these mediators and how it went down because they said the goal here is not to arrest men that are just being stupid and obnoxious or threatening which it can be but rather to shame and expose them I would think the goal is just to stop the behavior. I mean, you want someone to intervene and just stop the behavior when you, as a woman alone, can't. Well, definitely. And and I think that, you know, there's another piece of this when you talk about the, you know, shaming them publicly like that. I've seen this happen a number of times where uh, an incident will go on and nobody really wants to get involved. Nobody really wants to do anything, even, even though it's happening out in public. All it takes is one person to step up from the outside, whether it's one of these mediators or a member of the crowd to say, hey, what you're doing right now, you need to stop that. And then all of a sudden it sort of breaks the ice and all of the other people gather around and go, yeah, leave her alone. Right. And maybe that's what something like this could really facilitate. So it's not only stopping the behavior initially, although, as you said, that's got to be the goal, but it's also encouraging that guy to leave. Yeah. Um, if if he knows about it, right? If he knows that this app is out there, yeah. I, I don't think it's gonna be a preventative measure, but it does bring in a person. For sure what it'll do is stop him from doing it again, because now he knows we have these people that are out and, and are gonna intervene um, if that happens. I also wonder, um, again, I'd like to see this in practice because this is dependent upon a woman, and I assume it's mostly women that we're talking about, mm -hmm. can get to their phone either after the first time this happens or in the midst of it happening to alert this app. I mean, to alert these mediators, which is why I love the simplicity of it, it, it because you're right. That's going to be the biggest trick is being able to in the middle of all of that, pull your phone out and be able to do something on your phone while somebody is harassing you, because all that happens is you pull the phone out, you open up the app and it gives you three bars with different things written in them. One is I'm being bothered. One is I'm being harassed and one is I'm in danger. And all you do is hit the appropriate one and they come and get you. The, that it's that simple and and easy and quick because you may not have a lot of time to be able to do something like that. And I wonder who the mediators are and like where they're stationed and where they're based. And it must be close so that they can react quickly, especially if you're in danger right. and you are alerting them I'm in danger. And it could be lifeguards. 
I mean, it could be lifeguards who have now gotten training in how to, in like conflict resolution and how, because you gotta be, you know, you gotta be ready to go in and get in the face of this guy that is doing some things he shouldn't be. Yeah, that's being a problem. And that's why, you know, the goal is not arrest necessarily. Now, obviously, if it's somebody that's holding a knife in somebody's throat, you're going to alert the police to that. But it's it's just getting in the way in the meantime. And you're I'm not so sure how long that beach in Marseille is and how, I mean, if you space out 16 people or if you just have them kind of roving back and forth across the beach, you know, all 16 of them spaced out a little ways away from each other, how fast they would be able to get to somebody. The internet tells me there are 11, well, these are the 11 best beaches in and around there. So you're right. I don't know how long the beach line itself is in total, but it's significant. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's major. I mean, it's, it's, I know it is a major beach destination and that's not even what I seek out. So sure. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's the French Riviera. So right. uh, it, it, it again, all, anything that allows somebody to be able to get in and intervene and for somebody else to stay safe and just have that kind of lifeline near them. Fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty interesting that no one else has done something like this. And my next thought is this is going to work. This will be immensely popular. I guarantee you it'll be downloaded more as more people find out about it. And then I wonder, is the next step, is an app like this available in more places where women are prone to being um, particularly vulnerable and a target? It, it's not everywhere, but there are some places where you feel more in danger than others. So, yeah. Uh, so good on them. I, I hope it is successful and those 1,300 people are feeling a little bit safer about going to the beach. Definitely. Uh, if you have thoughts here, 913-586-7798. Uh, next to come. Teens are speaking out about their problems with gambling addiction now that more states are legalizing that. We'll get to that coming up here on KMBZ. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.